0: Praise God. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. I had to rely on uh, those who are here, the worship team, the camera guys, the media guys. Um, Thank you, everyone, for being a part of this and helping helping to make this happen. Um, Before we get started, I'd like to go before the Lord in prayer. Um, If you could bow your heads and um, close your eyes wherever you are, and uh, let's go before God. Uh, Father, we come before you. And Lord, I I thank you. I thank you, God, that you have brought us here, God, that you have uh, been with us, that you have protected us, God, that you, Lord Almighty, that you are sovereign in this, O God. Lord, I ask that tonight you allow the Holy Spirit to speak. Father, I pray that it's less of me and more of you, God, and that you, Lord Almighty, that you meet each and every one of us, wherever we may be. Lord, if they find themselves on their phone, on their computer, God, and In in their bedroom in the living room in the car god wherever they may be lord i pray that you meet them where they're at and that you almighty god are present in this place in your name amen amen uh first off i want to start off with something a little uh different um i know she's watching so i'd like to say happy birthday to my mom um i know she's watching like i said and um, I love you. You're a blessing to each and every one of us in, in the family. And, and uh, again, happy birthday. Thank you for always supporting um, this ministry. Uh, guys, it's good to be back. It's good to be back with the team in the sanctuary. And, and I can't wait to see all of you here, um, just like Johnny said, to, you know, to see you guys in, in your PRC student March. If you didn't buy it, uh, don't worry. You can um, definitely... Um, uh, buy it soon, we're going to reopen it up. Um, Guys, uh, I want to talk about um, uh, suffering. We're going to talk about suffering today, but before we get, you know, too far, um, the shelter-in-place order, this answered one big question for me. Um, It answered, if nobody sees you eat the calories... Does it still count? Unfortunately, I gotta tell you, I gotta break it to you. Yes, it does, and I'm a testimony of that. Um, and uh, you know, I I hate the gym. It gets boring, especially when you go by yourself. You know, um, you spend you know half an hour trying to find your set list or your playlist. I'm sorry, and then. Um, then you decide which machine you want to go on. You know? Once you decide which, which machine you go on, you're already f- 45 minutes in. You know? And by then, you're like, this was a good workout. I'm going to go home. You know? and, and that's usually what would happen to me all the three times I've been to the gym. Um, then there was a point where I did CrossFit. So with CrossFit, um, it th- it's irrelevant how long that lasted. Um, but it was fun. It was great. It was very hard and difficult, but I liked it. Um, But then I started to become busy with work. And I was like, okay, you know, if I miss a class, I can just do these workouts at home because a lot of it is without equipment. But a lot of it also is with uh, jump ropes. So it's jump rope workouts. It's actually harder than you think. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy myself a CrossFit grade jump rope. And it's like this thin... Thin uh, uh, jump rope. It's it's really tough cable. So if you get whipped with that, it you know like I was worried, but you know what? It's fine. I know how to jump rope. I've been jump roping since kindergarten. It's okay. On my first jump, I land weird. I hurt my back so bad that I could barely breathe. It was bad for a while, and that ended my CrossFit adventures. <laughs> Like I said, it's irrelevant how long that lasted. But you know what I did enjoy, besides hurting my back, again, all four times I've been to CrossFit, um, I enjoyed how difficult it was. I enjoyed that that after a hard, hard workout, you would go home, you would, you know, take a shower, you'd clean up, and then you would walk around like this. And you would have to crawl up the stairs, and you would have to slide down the stairs. You know, you didn't walk down the stairs because you won't make it. Um, And and I enjoyed that because the next time I went to a session, it was great to see that there was some level of progression. There was some level of progression, not much, but it would be cool because in CrossFit, you do rounds. So you have a chalk, and every time you complete a round, you make a mark on the ground, and you move on to, the, uh, to another round. And it was cool to see that when I was barely completing one, I could do two. Uh, then I could do three. Uh, then I stayed at three. And it was great. <laughs> it was great that there was some sort of progression. And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed it. And, and again, that progression is slow. But there is a purpose for that pain. Now again, as Johnny said, today we're continuing on with our series, uh, You Can't Handle It. And that was kind of the title of my series at CrossFit, I Can't Handle It. Um, But that's besides the point. Um, Last week we talked about the phrase, God will only give you what you can handle, and how it is not scripturally accurate when it comes to trials and suffering. We learned that God's heart has always been to redeem and rescue. Well this week, like I said earlier, we're gonna talk about suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane. But before we do, I wanna give some context of where we are at in scripture, of the days leading to this part in scripture. And so um, I'm gonna start with the Sunday before uh, the scene in the garden. So it would be the week of Passion, Passion Week. So we're on Palm Sunday. This is Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And then the next day is Holy Monday. This is cleansing of the temple. This is where Jesus flips the table. <laughs> this is where, you know, we see the beginning of a, again, a lack of a better term, but a new Jesus. A Jesus kind of who is uh, frustrated in this part. He's frustrated because, you see, he's, he's taken the time, three years in his ministry, teaching and, 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 and telling them about the ways and, and, and the truth and and. And then you see them that they're, they're still not changed. And that's what you see kind of happen on Tuesday, Holy Tuesday, where he curses a fig tree. And I don't know if you listened to the podcast that Johnny and I had where we talked about Passion Week. And we were talking about like poor fig tree, you know. It was just sitting there being a fig tree it had leaves. But the problem was is it did not bear fruit. So then what happened? Well, Jesus as he saw that this fig tree had leaves. He walks up to it. He sees that it does not bear fruit, so he curses it. And isn't that like a great symbol of sometimes how we are? That we resemble like we're bearing fruit. We have the leaves. I dress in the suit or I dress in the typical worship leader startup kit, you know? <laughs> but then on closer inspection all of a sudden you realize that they're not bearing fruit. And so again, Jesus is frustrated. This was Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, this is Spy Wednesday, this is when Judas seeks to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. For 30 pieces of silver. And again, on the podcast we were talking about what it would be in current uh, currency. It would be roughly uh, uh, $90.00. To possibly $3,000, anywhere in between. Which I know seems like a crazy gap. But if you really think about it then, $3,000. $3,000 for, for someone you followed for three years. Someone, someone you dedicated your life to. Someone you sacrificed for. For $3,000. And that was Wednesday. With that thought on Wednesday, and then we're on Thursday. Or it's, it's Monday, Thursday, or Holy Thursday, joy Mare, And a lot happens on Thursday. Thursday is a big day. And Thursday, this is the Passover. So Jesus sends his disciples to prepare the Passover. And then at the Passover, this is where he calls out Judas. So I'm going to read in Matthew chapter 26, starting from verse 20. And I'm going to go through it very quick. Um... So Matthew chapter 26, verse 20. So it says, when it was evening, he reclined at, at table with the 12. And as they were eating, he said, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, is it I, Lord? He answered, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The son of man goes as as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. That's powerful. That's powerful. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born this is a heavy heavy statement and after that they have uh, communion they have the last supper and this is in Matthew chapter 26 verse 26 through 29 again I'm going to read it fairly quickly "Now, now as they were eating Jesus took bread and after blessing it broke it and gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body and he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And after this, this is when they're walking to the Mount of Olives, and, and Jesus He uh, predicts Peter's denial. And this is in Matthew chapter 26, verse 30. It says, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. So a lot has happened up until now. A lot has happened from uh, Jesus entering in uh, his triumphal entrance in jerusalem Uh, then there's uh this frustration as he's in a market and and he flips the table because they're 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 uh pretty much price gouging you can say and then um even in that time you kind of have these chief priests that they question they start questioning jesus and his teachings they start saying well is your teaching from god and he says he says something interesting. He, You know, Jesus, he always answers questions with questions. And so he says, he says, well, is John the Baptist's teachings from the Lord, from divine power? And in that, in that, it's a, it's a, it's a trick question. Because if it's yes, then that means Jesus' teachings are divine. And so there's all these situations where he's frustrated. And the chief priests, them themselves, they're frustrated. There's a lot of tension. And then again, Judas betraying Jesus or seeking out to betray Jesus. And now after, after foretelling the, uh, Peter's denial, this is where we are at, at the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is starting from uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. It says, then Jesus went with them, to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And talking with him, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful. Even to death, remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup "'Pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will.' And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, "'So could you not watch with me one hour? "'Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. "'The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak.'" Verse 42, again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, "'My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it. "'Your will be done.'" So in this, we see that Jesus is emotional. He's emotional. He's, he's full of anguish. He's full of sorrow and pain. In order to understand why he's emotional, we must understand what the cup means in verse 39. Verse 39, it says, And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. You see, the cup, Symbolizes a lot. It symbolizes a lot. If you look in the Old Testament, it, it, it symbolizes God's wrath in judgment. And you see, Jesus stood in the place of guilty sinners to receive the punishment. In 2 Corinthians, in chapter 5, verse 21, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, the cup did not represent death, but rather the judgment in the Father's fury due to sin in the world. This is why Jesus was anguished. He knew what was to come. He knew that in the, on the cross, that's when the, the Lord's judgment, that's when the Father's judgment will fall over him, taking our sin on the cross, carrying our burdens. And in this anguish, You see, we see Jesus do three things, and these three things we should do as well when we are in suffering as well. And the first thing, this thing seems so obvious, I know, but it's that we must pray. We must go to God and pour out our suffering to him. He is a God who is familiar with suffering. He is a man of sorrows. Jesus is a man of sorrows. He knows pain. He knows pain better than we will ever know pain. You see, I have a friend that anytime you're going through something, you know, let's say you want a, a major career change, okay? He, you go to him and you say, hey, insert name, what do you think of this? Should I go and change my career to this? He's like, okay, and what did God say when you first asked him? And you know that's when you get red, and you're like, "Well, you know, I, I didn't." He said, "Okay, well, go pray, and then talk to me." Because oftentimes we look for the wisdom, or we seek out the advice of people, when we have God sitting there, and He say, "Talk to me, ask me, talk to me, and I will answer. I will, I will reveal to you." And you see, Jesus does this. Jesus in. In, uh, in, in scripture here, I'm sorry, let me, look, it says in, um, I apologize, in 39, he says, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He's praying, he's in anguish, he's in pain, and he's saying, God, I can't go with it. I mean, if this is your will, I'll do it. But is there any way? He knew that this is the way, but this is, this is that anguish, this is that sorrow. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 43, this is that same scene, just a different perspective. And Luke likes to give a little more detail. And he says that after he prays this, after Jesus prays this prayer, an angel appears from heaven. <clears throat> an angel appears from heaven and strengthens him. Isn't that beautiful? How many, times, how many times did we sit there and when we go through a problem, we quickly run to someone. We quickly run and, and pick up our phone or maybe our Facebook status or Instagram story and we're like, hey, please pray for me. But how many times did we actually go to God? Because maybe that one time when you go to God and you say, God, I need you. There can't be another way. I need you. He'll send an angel to strengthen you. You see, the Lord hears our prayers. Excuse me. Someone once said that, that prayer recognizes the limitations of the human frame and seeks divine assistance. I'll say that again. Prayer recognizes the limitations of the human frame and seeks divine assistance. I can't do it. No matter how many times I do CrossFit, I can't. No matter how many times I read scripture, no matter matter how many times I go to service, no matter how involved I am, I can't do it without you, God. The Lord hears our prayers. So that's the first thing. In suffering, in pain, in trials, in tribulation, we must pray. The second thing we must invite people into our pain. I know this sounds funny. This sounds weird. It might even sound selfish. I'm doing CrossFit. I invited Andrew to do CrossFit with me. <laughs> I stopped inviting him because he made me look bad. <laughs> but I wanted to invite him into my pain and say, and, and I remember, and, and you can ask him, I remember telling him, man, the first day after the first day, I felt the workout for like four or five days. Like I was in so much pain, so much pain. But again, I invited him into my suffering. But, but on, a more, on a more serious note, Jesus calls his disciples to pray and be with him during this time. He says, he says, my soul is very sorrowful. Even to death, remain here and watch with me. This is in verse 38. And he then urges them throughout this scene to pray. You see, intercession, it's a powerful, powerful prayer. The prayer of intercession. And, and I'm going to read in Genesis chapter 18. So in Genesis chapter 18, verse, starting from verse 16. Again, I'm going to go through it quickly. This is where Abraham intercedes for Sodom and Gomorrah. So in, in uh, Genesis chapter 18, verse 16, it says, it says, Then the men set out from there, and they looked down toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation? And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteous and justice. So that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave. I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. This is in verse 22. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood, still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing to put the righteous to death with the wicked so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. I... I who am but dust and ashes, suppose five of the 50 righteous are lacking, will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. And again, he spoke to him and said, suppose 40 are around there. He answered, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again, but this once. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. This scene kind of sometimes when I read it, (coughs) it's interesting to me. It's very interesting because... Because Abraham is sitting there and interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. He, said, he says, well, what about 55? Okay, or, or, I'm sorry, what about 50 people? He's like, okay, okay, but what if, what if, what about five people? What if five people are lacking? What if five people are wicked out of 50? Are you gonna, are you gonna, uh, are you gonna blame or punish, are you gonna blame 45 for five? And then he just keeps negotiating down to 10. He keeps negotiating down to 10, and, and it's, it's an amazing and powerful thing, powerful um, example of how intercession is, is, is a powerful, powerful prayer. Excuse me one minute. I, we have a really good team here. <laughs> Sorry about that. Thank you again to the team that makes this happen, that when I tend to yell, they bring me water. (laughs) God bless you guys. So we see that that intercession is powerful. So again, we must go before the Lord and pray, and then we must invite people into our pain. And the last thing, and if I can have the worship team come up, is the last thing that we find in this passage in the garden is that although full of sorrow and suffering Jesus chose to pray that the father's will may be done you see we see here as he's calling out to God he's he's constantly saying not as I will but as you will You see, the struggle of the cross was first won in prayer in Gethsemane. That was the first victory. That was where the battle began to win, is when he prayed, not as I will, but as you will. (coughs) He says, is there any other way? He says, is there any other way? But if there's not, not as I will, but as you will. He's asking, he's saying, your will, not mine. You see, Jesus, the man of sorrow, was accustomed to pain and suffering. And you see, when we suffer, just like the pain, after a tough workout at the gym, there is a purpose. You see, the soreness, it builds up muscle, it it builds up endurance, and every session you grow stronger. The purpose of suffering is ultimately to glorify God. You see, we have a hope in Christ that our burdens and our suffering is lifted up with him. You know, I don't know what tomorrow may bring. I don't, I don't know when and if another virus may come up. I don't know what sufferings you may endure. I don't know, I don't know about the future. I don't know about tomorrow. But all, what I do know is that he holds the future. That in him, it, it's, it's all... It's all in him. You see, yesterday wasn't mine. Today, it wasn't mine. Tomorrow isn't mine. Our hope for a future is in Christ, suffering for our past and present. Amen. God bless you.